Everyone at DraftKings.com, you don't need to come in first place to cash in. The player who finished 800th in Week One's biggest fantasy football contest took home 100 bucks, 800th, and they made $100. This weekend, DraftKings is hosting another huge fantasy contest with over $1 million in total prizes up for grabs. DraftKings is the destination for one-week fantasy football. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. Play whenever you want with the players you want. Just pick your contest, draft your team, and follow the action live. Renew old rivalries with friends, family, and coworkers to find out who the superior GM really is. Whatever your level of fantasy expertise, DraftKings has something for everyone. So don't wait. Get to DraftKings.com now and choose your players for this weekend's contest. Just enter promo code FTW and you can play for free with your first deposit. That's promo code FTW to play free for your share of over $1 million in total prizes this weekend. Only at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. Eligibility restrictions may apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, this is Nate Scott, and this is the For the Win Podcast, your home to everything that's buzzing in the world of sports. My guests today are the bad boys of golf, the Bash Brothers. It's Luke Curtinine and Shane Ryan, live from Minnesota, the from the land of a thousand lakes. What's up, guys? What's up? I know, and we've teamed up in person now, so the world might truly end in a few days. This is, golf world, yeah, this is amazing. Usually you and I are hundreds of miles apart on Skype, and now we're uncomfortably close <laughs> to one another. Huddled in a booth. It's a, it's a true, it's true sign of progress that we're now sitting one inch away from one another. I think. And we've commandeered a radio booth that belongs to a station called Whack Radio, whatever that is. <laughs> so pretty good. Okay. Doing well, basically, Nate. <laughs> so, so are you guys like wandering around the course, like in uh, in jean jackets and smoking cigarettes and just uh, kind of like greasers eyeing everyone as as the as the as the young journalists at the Ryder Cup? Because that's what I imagine. So just tell me that's weird. true. That's true. And what's weird about it is we both seem to know without ever having rehearsed the same songs spontaneously. <laughs> just snapping. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a whole musical of Greece. I don't know how we both know the lyrics and the melodies, but it's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, the moves are really going down well here too, I think. Oh, yeah. All right. So talk to me about, guys, paint the picture for me. What's the mood in Minnesota right now? Tense? Well, I, I, I'll preface, which I'll defer to you, Shane, because you've been here a little longer. The only thing I've noticed about Minnesota so far is that it's a little colder than I thought. Mm-hmm. I came here, I brought, I, I brought a bunch of shorts. You know, I didn't bring a bunch. Of, I didn't bring any sweaters. Uh, just a few long sleeves. And man, that was a terrible decision. <laughs> I might not make it through to Monday. Uh, but anyway, but as for Ryder Cup things, how, how's it going? I would prefer to talk about the weather as well. <laughs> <laughs> I came here and I had the same exact thing as Luke. And uh, to name drop, I saw John Feinstein and I was wearing shorts and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, it's been warm in North Carolina. And he looked at me and was like, oh, yeah, and there's no reason to think it might be different in Minnesota. <laughs> and I was like, that's a fair point. Um, no, I would say the mood Ryder Cup wise is it's been interesting. It's a combination, it's been a little boring in the lead-up in the sense of that hasn't been a ton of drama. But then all of a sudden, Danny Willett's brother wrote this piece just excoriating American fans, which was, I thought really funny. That caused quite a stir. Phil Mickelson went after Hal Sutton, so that's been dramatic. But I think mostly I'm anxious for the first pairings to be announced in a half hour or so, uh, and I really am looking forward to the golf. 
Uh, yeah, just so everyone knows, we are recording this on Thursday. Um, it, it will be live Friday morning first thing. Um, so we will, you'll know what the pairings are. And I don't know, we can't really talk about them because they don't exist yet. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's talk about Danny Willett's brother. I, I love it. No one was, at, no, like, was anyone really offended by what he said? That's what exactly what Shane and I were talking about, okay? Because, like, there's all this talk about, like, oh, outrage follows Danny Willis. I don't know. I feel like we're all, between us, we're all pretty plugged into what people are saying on the internet. And I don't remember, like, a huge wave of, out, like, legitimate outrage from people about this piece. I mean, it wasn't in the best of taste by any means, but... I don't think there was this like genuine. It, it, it necessarily merited the the treatment that it's getting right now. Yeah, I agree. And then I was telling Luke, I think it's somewhat a product of the fact that all week uh, there's been like Davis Love press conferences where he's been like, uh, the boys and I are going to try quite hard to do well on the golf course, <laughs> and like that's been the most drama. So the minute there's any like splash of something interesting, everybody seized on it. But I was just in the press conference that Willett did uh, a couple hours ago. And the first six or seven questions were all just, you know, very somber, asking, you know, have you, you know, talked to your brother? Has he apologized? Is this going to hurt your family relationships? One guy was like, have you asked your brother to stop writing about golf? And then I, I asked the question, I was like, do you, does any part of you think that the reaction to this is overblown and that your brother is being pretty funny and that it's ridiculous that anybody has to apologize for anything? Uh, and he was like, very much just like, no, I don't agree with my brother's language and et cetera. So, yeah, it's been a little weird that nobody can take a joke, but I guess we probably shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, when you have a team captain quoting Bill Belichick, and that's the most interesting <laughs> part of his press conference, I suppose it's a product of that. If you did miss it, uh, Danny Willett's brother, who's a, a school teacher and writes uh, <laughs> writes a little bit on the side about golf just because he's hilarious and, and has you know been a great social media presence during his brother's tournament, uh, he wrote, the Americans need their baying mob of imbeciles to caress their egos every step of the way. Um, we need to silence the pudgy basement-dwelling irritants and smash... <laughs> the, 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 the irritants is so great, especially coming from someone from the UK. Just, like, uh, just like that thinking of Americans still as this, like, upstart, like, irritant, like, across the pond. I love that. It's so good. Yeah, um, just call this, like... Colonies the, or something. Insubordinate colonies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, the smash the obnoxious dads with their shiny teeth, Lego man hair, medicated ex-wives, and resentful children. That's amazing banter. Like, we don't get banter like that. That's so good. Um, yeah, I mean, so, like, this is the equivalent, right, of us uh, of us parodying an English person by being, like, by insulting his teeth or something, right? Like, sure, yeah, it, it's, yeah. that, that's, it, maybe there's a little bit that's lost in translation, but that's, like, it, it's all very clearly tongue-in-cheek, you know? He's not, he's, this is not a, this is not an actual rant that he's going on. This is a big joke. And I think, like, and you can correct me because you would know more about it than I do, but as a big fan of British comedy... The one thing I think that's lost in translation is that the British do insults very well. And sometimes it is meant aggressively, but I think also it can be meant as like even a form of affection. Like like you would talk to a friend, you'd be more, more insulting than an American would ever dream of being. And I think Americans read this and they're like, how dare you? Yeah, no, I think it's right. Yeah. Like, it's a form of endearment in a lot of ways, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely, I mean, this is British humor, right? Like, it's very, very, very self-deprecating. And it's also deprecating, like, you watch the British version of The Office compared to the American version exactly, of The Office. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's all about, like, making fun of, 
David Brent making fun of other people and that sort of, whereas the American office is entirely different. Totally. Well, and like a good like real life equivalent for this is Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes when yeah. he hosts, and yeah. he's just super cruel. And all the American Hollywood people sit in the audience just in excruciating, like, <laughs> "Oh my God, he's saying mean things," and it's everyone else thinks it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. But, but and and more importantly, this is why I watch the Ryder Cup. This is what I want. You know, like I want. I want Patrick Reed to hit a putt, a putt and scream 1776 like in their faces and like chug a Coors <laughs> chug a Coors Light, you know? Like this is this is why we do this and for them to try and tamper it and to do you know Davis Love the 3rd doing Bill Belichick do your jobs. It's like come on guys. Let's 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 yeah. talk a little smack. That's you know these guys when they're actually out on the course with each other are like world class uh, I'll say it, shit talkers. I mean, like, th- this is what they do. They're perfect at it. And now for them to have to be buttoned up is ridiculous. Get weird. Have fun. Anyway. Totally agree. Uh, well, we did see a, a bit of that. Did either of you guys, I think both of you might have missed this. Were either of you there when the American fan hit the putt? I wasn't there. I was just, I, I saw the video, obviously, posted about the video. I mean, what a, what a fantastic, Amazing. You know, it's so, it's so clutch. Like, I can't even imagine doing anything in my life remotely that clutch. No. It's like my dream to, like, call out a professional athlete and then do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's amazing. And you know, and you know, like, Stenson and the others, they were, like, playing in good spirit, but they definitely thought this guy would fall on his face. Oh, yeah. They never yeah. thought he would hit Taunt, Taunting him with a $100 bill. Like, oh, yeah. it's just, I mean, if there's ever a good omen for America, that is it. I, think, right? like, it was I, I love how the, the the United States team needed a fan from North Dakota to like put the first punch to the jaw of the European team. Like that sent a <laughs> message, you know. Like they they needed that. All of a sudden, they've got a little bit of swagger. They're like, all right, if, if what's this Jones from North Dakota can step in off the out of the crowd and 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 put one across, you know, fire a shot across their bow. That bodes I mean, well. A good few weeks for Dakota, though, or for the Dakotas, right? I mean, we were just talking yeah. about this. I mean, Carson Wentz and now this guy. I mean, yeah. they, the state really seems to be trending up. I mean, maybe we should rank the states and put them pretty high. This is the best thing that happened to Dakota since Mount Rushmore, easily. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's been All any right. highlights since then. That's South Dakota. This is North Dakota. Are we are we bunching the Dakotas here? Where are the Dakotas? I still consider them the Dakota territory. <laughs> <laughs> Shane's quite yeah yeah. England is longing for the age of the 1770. Shane's just about 30 years behind them. He's not he's not really. Uh... Yeah, I'm a little ahead. I just recognize the need to purchase. All right. So what what do you guys think uh, will be the what do you think Davis Love does with these pairings? Any predictions or you, any ideas at this point? Or are we are we flying blind with, with a half hour to go before these predictions? I mean, before these pairings. I can go one to four what I think, what I think he's going to do. Okay. Yeah, I, my prediction is he's going to put speed out. Uh, I think he's going to put Dustin Johnson and Kucher out last. I think you're going to see Fowler and and Mickelson and Johnson, those two pairings in two or three, some order for ultimate shot would be my guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I haven't really thought. I, I, I'm, I'm not in as wonk mode as you right now being able to predict, <laughs> being able to predict the parents, which is a all new level of Ryder Cup nerdiness. I think it's fair to say. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> wait, also but, consulted the astrological charts. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who'd you, um, wait, who'd you yeah, pair with speed? I missed that. Uh, Spieth and Reed, I think. Oh, all right. Well, I love that team. Yeah, I think, and I was about to say, like, that is the one 
to me, that's just the absolute lock, right? Like, yeah, you, yeah. Not only are they in the same pod, you know, I'm actually about, I would have published a piece about this by the time this podcast goes out. Um, Spieth and Reed are in the same pod, which means that they've basically been put into a group of like-minded people when the plan is to play these guys together every week. So, And not only are they in the same pod, this week they also played really well at the last Ryder Cup. So to me, like, right. I think he'll be trying to play that pairing almost as much as possible, I think. That's For sure, yeah. And then by the same token, because you can guarantee that they're together, the other two guys in the pod are Dustin Johnson and Matt Kuchar. So you can almost guess by process of elimination that they're also going to be uh, a big group and you know Dustin Johnson right now arguably the best player on the planet so I think you know you're, you're gonna see him go out at least three sessions and possibly all four even before Sunday singles uh, with Kuchar. Alright guys we'll get back to talking Ryder Cup with Shane and Luke in one second but first wanted to tell you about Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans which proudly supports the For the Win podcast. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century fast, powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all this on your phone or tablet. It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash FTW. Again, it's quickenloans.com slash FTW. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. I am so in on Patrick Reed. I I forget who wrote it. I was just looking for it. Uh, The the argument that Tiger Woods should be on the Ryder Cup team. Um, (laughs) <laughs> what? I, I, you guys read that, right? Um, I did. I did. I, I thought you were joking. You, he, so he popped into my Slack and goes, oh, dude, I'm like all in on Tiger. And I was like, this is a funny conversation I'm about to have. <laughs> yeah. And then little did I know that like five minutes into the conversation, Ned was, Nate was not joking no, around. No, I wasn't. <laughs> so that didn't, that didn't happen to me. But one thing I loved in this piece, and God, I, I can't find it. Um, I'll, I'll look for it. I'll hopefully have it by the end of the podcast. But he painted the picture as of Patrick Reed as sort of this like John C. Riley esque uh, like kind of outrageous sidekick who's just talking trash. But you know, like like every time Tiger made a putt, he'd be like, "Big cat gotta eat," and like jumping up in their fa- in the Europeans' faces. And so now I just imagine Patrick Reed as that. And with Spieth, it's so perfect because Spieth is like this perfect. Uh, you know, American altar boy, and then he's got Reed kind of pacing behind him, like just ready to punch anyone. Like, I'd love it. I'm all in on that that pairing. I think it's fantastic, and I'm totally projecting on Patrick Reed. I know he's not like a lunatic, uh, like, but I'm just, I just that's what I that's what I want from him. I want him to be the enforcer. I mean, and by golf standards, he is a raving lunatic. Oh, yeah. I was in his press conference today, and he was talking about how, like, you know, they asked him, like, are you going to get the crowd amped up? And he's like, no, you know, I don't think I'm going to get the crowd amped up. And then five minutes later, he's like, you know, sometimes the crowd gets amped up. That's out of my control, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's just completely contradicted the party line. Like, if I take my shirt off and I have an American flag painted on my chest (laughs) and the crowd gets pumped up, uh, I can't control that. He, he, somebody asked him a question about Danny Willis 
Ed's brother, and this was like the most fantastic, like, subliminal, subconscious reaction. Uh, the first thing he does, they ask him Dan Willett's brother's note, and he cracks his knuckles. Like, something's yeah. about to go down. And I'm like, oh, I'm so ready for it. <laughs> this is him and his element. And the great thing about Patrick Reed was when I wrote about him in the book, he, uh, in my book that I wrote. Oh, there I, it is. There's the book I plug. I didn't mean to be uh, a transparent. Um, no, but uh, he in college went uh, 6-0 over two years in the NCAA championships, and that's match play. And he beat some really good players, and like there's a bunch of great stories about how tough he was. So coming into the 2014 Ryder Cup, you know, he's such a tough competitive personality that I was thinking I really hope he lives up to it. And he did that and then some. And so oh, it's just going to be like 20 years of excitement with Patrick Reed in Ryder Cups. And I think he's always going to play well. I think he is really like the uh, he carries the flag. I think for the new generations, maybe even more than Speed does. Yeah, he kind of he kind of speaks. He, he kind of seems like he's trying to fit into this American Ian Poulter type, where, oh, where he, the, the best he plays is during the Ryder Cups, and he's probably. Or I think at this point in his career, he's better than Ian Poulter. But um, it, it's very clear that you know, repping the red, white, and blue, playing in match play, this is his, this speak, this is speaking his language. And it was a nice, like, symbolic thing that his first Ryder Cup match was against Ian Poulter, and he and Spieth just destroyed Poulter and uh, the Scottish guy, Gallagher. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just, like, really, like, a, a metaphorical changing of the guard right there, and, and Reed's, Reed's going to be great in the Ryder Cup this year, and I really am convinced he's going to be great for years and years to come. And that's, you know, I think he's one of those guys, and, you know, from my limited golfing, I, I find I play better this way, and I know some guys who do, where some people are better when it's just them and the course and a scorecard, and they're just thinking. And other people, they just can't play that way or don't play as well that way. And they, if, But if there's an opponent and someone to beat, then all of a sudden everything get, becomes clear. Well, I need to do this because I need to beat that guy. And Reed just seems to be like someone who just, for whatever reason, just loves that and just thrives on it and, and, and wants to stare down someone and wants to be able to do it. Um, I just, the, I found the piece, by the way, it's called Roll the Dice Davis, and it's by someone named named Golf, and it was posted to Medium, so I don't know. Um, they their name. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I really, my vision was uh, Patrick Reed standing next to Tiger, and he'd have little whiskers painted on his face just staring at the opponent. <laughs> just... <laughs> And I'm sad that's not going to happen. But anyway, um, all right. Can the Americans win this? I think the Americans will win this. To be oh wow, honest. this is um, classic, classic Luke, classic reverse is. jinx. <laughs> A bit of an emotional hedge, perhaps. Um, you know, right. uh, I have it both ways. If you win or if America win, I'm right. But no, in all seriousness. Uh, you know, I just think it's weird that they haven't won more, right? Like, that, regression, so regression to the mean is a real thing. Like, uh, to only have won four of the last 14 Ryder Cups, I think yep. it is, and only one since 1999. I mean, at a certain point, your luck has to run out, right? Like, so apart from putting aside all the reasons why I think Patrick Reed's a great match play player, I just think it's time for America to win one. Like, just statistically, it's so unlikely for them to keep not winning. It's very strange to the point that, you know, you, you try to think narratives because you're like, okay, yeah, statistically there's been enough. If you look at, um, you know, the Ryder Cup, it started being very competitive in 1983 when Tony Jacklin first captain for the European team. And since that time, there have been almost 200 singles matches. And the, the tally right now is America has 96.5 points and Europe has 95.5. So it's like insanely close to a dead, a dead heat. 
But you look at the pairs matches, and Europe wins about 60% in both formats, four Simpsons four ball. And so it's so puzzling because you're like, you know, for the most part, actually, the Americans have had stronger teams in terms of the players. Uh, but the Europeans are just so good. And there's all these, like, crazy theories, like, oh, maybe it's because they're cultures are a little more like socialist and communal and Americans are like these greedy, like self-individualist capitalists. And so no, maybe Americans we, can't play as teams, but it's all, mumbo jumbo. it's all mumbo jumbo and there's no good reason. Um, and so, yeah, it's this great mystery, but it seems like a pattern that you can almost count on now. Uh, and I, w I don't know how to explain it. And I don't think anybody does. Wait, Shane, you are calling it mumbo jumbo and resisting the urge for a think piece about how the Europeans, uh, Ryder cup dominance shows a, a preferential form of government. <laughs> well, well, look, do I think if Bernie Sanders had won the election this year that the U.S. would automatically be better in Paris matches at the Ryder Cup? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's all I wanted. I but, just wanted I'm, to really in, I'm really into cultural pseudoscience, yeah, and not everybody, <laughs> not everybody loves that like I do. Uh, Dustin Johnson has to be good, right? He, he's not going to lay an egg this week. He can't. Or, I mean, maybe he will. I don't know. I just, I just feel like this, he, should just, he should just own this. Yeah, I think he will. I think Dustin Johnson, I, I, I can't, when I look through the U.S. team compared to the European team, I think it's far more likely that the bunch of Europeans lay eggs. I mean, they have a lot yeah. of rookies on this team. Six of them. Half of their team is rookies. Yeah, and like, they, they benefit from having a so-called like system or philosophy that they go on from Ryder Cup. To, but I don't care what you have. When, you have si when you're talking about six rookies on a Ryder Cup team, a lot of them young rookies, too. Like, uh, Fitzpatrick is a young as a young rookie so um yeah you know i think when i when i look at these teams like i said like i think dustin johnson like not only is he playing really well but he's also been through he's been through this before whereas a lot of those rookies they're just flying blind in a lot of and dustin johnson's good in the Ryder cup and i think playing off this is what luke's talking about america it should be favored they're at home they're playing a team full of rookies the flip side of this is if they manage to somehow lose this Ryder cup it's going to be like somehow among all the devastating losses, the most devastating loss yet. Because it's almost going to prove that it's impossible for America to win. Yeah, because like, if they can't win under these circumstances, when can they win? And there's so much like going into this in terms of like, oh no, we have the we've, we've reinstalled the pod system, which is what yep. we won with last time. Like, oh, you know, we've uh, we've created a task force. We have Tiger Woods buying in. We have Bubba Watson buying in as vice captain. Oh, there's yeah. so much. Yeah, there's so much weighing of this stuff that doesn't really matter. But like, yeah. if it doesn't work out, it just decimates like any hope. Like these are all the strands of hope I think that a lot of American Ryder Cup fans are grasping. It totally, and it's totally true. As an American, and it's like, and you see other people too. We're just convinced ourselves that everything is going right, and we've created this narrative because the alternative is too <laughs> difficult to imagine. Yeah. It's a little bit maybe like how England always thinks they're going to win the World Cup. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then when they tie Slovakia or whatever, it's like, it goes to hell. But we're, we definitely have that moment of reckoning coming if we lose. And then, like, on the England thing, it's it's actually gotten worse over time, too. Like, it used to be like, yeah, we'll win, and then we fall short. And now it's like, well, we'll, we'll scrap our way to the quarterfinals, and then we lose to Iceland in the first yeah. round. And so now it's like, oh, my God, we keep outdoing ourselves downwards. <laughs> Uh, jeez. Can can you guys explain to me exactly what Tiger Woods is doing this week? Because I haven't heard a good explanation. Like what? Like just literally, like hour to hour, day to day. He wakes up. He's not swinging a golf club. Patrick Reed said that they keep trying to get him 
swing a golf club and he's not doing it. He picked one up today. I thought he was going to do it. He kind of gripped it and it looked like he wanted to hit it, but he really didn't take the bait. Um, I, well, he's he's in charge of a pod, right? So he's in charge of the Reed uh, the Reed Speed pod. Yeah, DJ Kucher, Reed Speed, uh, Reed Speed. He uh, yeah, he's doing that. I think every vice captain is grouped with a pod, and I really think it's so you know it's so kind of vague sometimes. But I think you could just call it like emotional support. Yeah. Uh, people can ask them for advice. I think I, I do think Tiger Woods buying in is nice, and and I'm not going to go so far as to say it's going to affect any matches, but I think it's good. To have the guys around him and him being helpful, I think that can only be awesome for the for the other players. Just yeah, to have Tiger Woods there, exactly, being and, cool. And look, like even though a guy like Phil Mickelson still probably is lukewarm at best about uh, towards Tiger in the sense that you know they they're still right. They they grew up as rivals. Like you don't just flip that switch again. Guys like Patrick Reed grew up idolizing Tiger. You know, so Patrick like, Reed wears red on Sundays because, because of, of Tiger. Tiger. Yeah. Exactly. So like. It, it, it doesn't count for nothing that they are, that, that he's in charge of Patrick Reed's. Uh, it, it may not be the defining factor, but it's hard to believe that like having your idol sort of hang out with you for a Ryder Cup week isn't going to help at all. And it's pretty cool that you know Tiger Woods took a lot of heat for the perceptions over his career that he didn't care about the Ryder Cup, and he definitely cares this this uh, this weekend. And it's really cool to see. And it's just kind of like a weird thing of like Tiger getting older, maybe understanding that, you know, his time either has run out or is running out. He does not have a lot more chances and he's beginning to appreciate things like this a little bit more than maybe he ever did. And yeah, I think that's been like weirdly gratifying to watch. It's been kind of cool. Yes, I, I, I like it. And I, I, I do like that Davis Love is basically just trying to throw every bit of juju he can at this at this thing and, and hope that it pays off because... As you said, Shane, if they lose this, then what, I don't I don't know what what to do. What the Americans do at that point? Um, maybe maybe they annex Australia and bring in J Day. Rest of the world versus Europe. Maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just take. The national team is so bad at Presidents Cup that it might be a fair match. It might be a fair match. You know, Graham Delat saving you guys uh. as a Canadian, bearded Canadian golfer. Yeah, but I said on Twitter the other day. In my opinion, Australia is just one of the Hawaiian Islands. So I, I don't see any reason that we by that have by that stroke, so is Japan. Really, it's just it's just Hawaii extended, and so. Japan. Korea, yeah. Or maybe you make it uh, English-speaking countries versus uh, versus <laughs> other Europeans. So you have like you, have, so you, get, you, uh, you guys would get Rory, you guys would get Adam Scott and Jason Day, um, then all the Americans. Listen, man, right, it, if it, if Donald Trump wins, that is what the tournament will become starting <laughs> next year. So, oh, see, <laughs> little topical humor there, guys. Good, yeah. So it'll be U.S. versus Mexico, and they have to use like croquet <laughs> mallets or something. <laughs> We're gonna win again. You see, you see. <laughs> Trump just standing on a hill, smoking a cigar, just yeah. in his element. Uh, all right. Um, before we get in any more trouble, let's end it right. <laughs> let's end it right there. Shane and Luke, you're both at the uh, Ryder Cup. You guys will we'll be following along all week. Uh, Luke's on for the win. Shane, who are you there with? Are you with Pace? Or are you with Pat? Who are you there with? This is with Golf Digest this week. Golf Digest. Um, so you can read my stuff at Golf Digest. And if I may actually do a plug, uh, I wrote a response to PJ Willow's piece on tobaccoroadblues.com. Uh, the content was too hot for Golf Digest. Uh, it, I, I did uh, I did for England what he did for America. And it was in the same spirit of like that fun, insulting humor in my mind. <laughs> Luke may hate me once he reads it, but uh, people can check that out if they'd like. 
Tobacco Road Blues, home to one of my favorite old podcasts. Does that podcast still exist? Which one? The college basketball one? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> well, there, there we go. <laughs> uh, awesome. Anyway, uh, all right, everyone, check out Tobacco Road Blues. I haven't even read it yet. Uh, oh, yeah, he go. Oh, you go right in, don't you? <laughs> the, I just saw. I just saw the phrase the the, the the scrambled chromosomes of the English, <laughs> resulting in the characteristic pale, flaky flesh, and so. Um, Everyone can go read that. All right, you guys are cutting out. I think Skype's had enough of this conversation. But uh, have fun, guys, and uh, we'll we'll be reading you all weekend. Yeah.